today's episode, I talked to Brenda Carey. Brenda has a really interesting story around healing through some um, autoimmune issues. And what was really important and fascinating for me was her journey with a spinal fusion that she had in her late teens. And she is now, um, I think she said she's coming up to 50. So she's been dealing with this for a number of years. And um, she has learned a lot through yoga and just about holistic health and how to overcome chronic pain. She gives a lot of great advice in this, um, in this episode. And she also has great resources um, if you go to her website and um, she has great resources for those who are dealing with scoliosis. I know that many of you know that my daughter has been dealing with scoliosis and so I can recommend Brenda's, um, Brenda's resources in terms of scoliosis. They're really great. So if you, if this is applicable to you, be sure you check those out and I hope you enjoy the chat that I have with her. She is a really sweet soul. And so I would love to hear from you. If you feel inspired, reach out. I'd love to hear how you like this episode. Um, you can reach me at the meditation conversation at gmail.com, or you can find me on Instagram um, at Kara underscore Goodwin underscore meditation. I not only post things about the podcast, but I like to put inspirational things out there um, just to kind of brighten up your day and get you thinking, get you connected to your spiritual side as you're scrolling. Um, you can also find me on Facebook at Kara Goodwin meditation. And then don't forget to check out my website at karagoodwin.com. There are all kinds of resources out there to help support your meditation practice. So I really appreciate you tuning in today and I appreciate your support and the connection and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm so excited to be joined by Brenda Carey. Brenda is passionate about guiding people to energetically align with their heart's deepest desire. Her calling is to inspire others from her own personal transformation of the struggles of spinal fusion, surgery, and autoimmune issues. She's the creator of the holistic health program, Inspired Living, and hosts the Be the Love podcast. So welcome, Brenda. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much, Kara. I am excited to be here as well. So I was really pleased to connect with you when I saw how your health issues have been the catalyst towards becoming energetically aligned, particularly considering the spinal fusion. And I know I've shared with you that my daughter has scoliosis. So anytime something like this comes into my field, I am like, it's like a moth to a flame. I'm like, oh, what have they been through? What was their journey like? Um, because she's 12. So she's like <sighs> just starting her journey. So um, I would love to hear about your journey, how you got here, you know, related to the spinal fusion, but also, you know, in general, you like, have you always been interested in energy and, um, 
you know, just whatever feels like coming through. So, well, I can definitely speak to your daughter at 12 because that was when I was first diagnosed with scoliosis. And, uh, you know, at the time, I would have never have thought that that was the catalyst really for part of my holistic lifestyle that I've now chosen well in my 40s, approaching 50. Um, but that at that age, and keep in mind, this was many decades ago, and in the 80s and early 90s, uh, protocols were much different back then. And But I think what was a consistent message, and by no means the fault of the doctors that were really trying to help me, I received the message as an adolescent that there was something wrong with my back and it needed to be fixed. And so for your listeners, if they're not familiar with what scoliosis is, it can there are some traces of possible genetic, um, it could be genetic, but not necessarily, at least not in my case. And um, it's a lateral curvature of the spine. And so there becomes imbalance within the bone structure and the muscle um, and also the muscles along the spine and possible rotation of the rib cage. So in a nutshell, it creates a lot of imbalance, not only physically, but also in hindsight, I could see that affecting me mentally and emotionally as well. I felt like my moods also, and it's, you know, teenage years, also reflected some of that imbalance within my spine. Would I have known that at the time? No. But in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, ah, there, those were the little seeds. And so the doctors doing the best that they could said, you know, there's something wrong with your back. It needs to be fixed. The curve is getting too, um, too accentuated. Um, I received it as there's something wrong with me and that I needed to be fixed. And I carried that message with me for, you know, so many years after on a very subconscious level. Um, and so fast forward a little bit, I didn't need to be braced. I'm not sure if your daughter has had that experience, but um, that was also a very confining place to be. You, you know, did need to be braced. I did. It was okay. like, I, I lovingly called it the plastic corset. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yeah. And I mean, there are still some, there is still bracing that still goes on to help um, the curve not not become quite so great. Unfortunately, I think what it was inevitable for me that at 19, I did need the spinal fusion surgery. So they moved my spine over to straighter. And then I have two rods on each side of my spine. And oddly enough, I didn't really have any pain previous to the surgery. Um, it wasn't till I needed the surgery and then post-surgical, that's when the pain became very apparent. And yes. So this, I think, really started my pain to purpose journey. Although for people listening, I do empathize with when someone is in a great amount of physical pain. Um, no one really wants to hear, oh, you'll find your purpose. <laughs> in this. <laughs> um, I, I, completely empathize with that. But sometimes we do need 
something and for me it was the the physical pain that brought upon what was going on internally with those deep-seated belief systems subconsciously of there's something wrong with me and I need to be fixed. And so I didn't start a meditation practice right away. It actually started with yoga. Um, And in my yoga practice, this was about two, three years post-surgery when I was having pain actually where the rods were not, so more in my lower back and my neck. Never really experienced pain other than the surgical pain. But then a couple of years later, my, uh, my mom invited me to my first yoga class. And she's like, maybe this will help. We've heard that yoga can help with back pain. And so this class was basically a reintroduction of what my body could do and could not do. And I'm not going to say that, oh, I loved yoga from the first class on. Um, I lovingly tell my students, I really struggled. I struggled with having to figure out what my body could do now with the limitations that it had. And then all the mental judgments that came with that. Because um, I was still young then. I was in my you know early, mid-20s. And some of the movement Uh, you know, I couldn't do with people much older than me. And so these thoughts of there's something wrong with me just kept flooding back in while I was on my yoga mat. And so I I say I had this start, stop, start, stop kind of relationship with yoga uh, because of that, because I really had to address and sit with in slower holding these yoga stretches and really moving my body and trying to move it in ways that were were new to me with the limitations that I had and breathing. Like, I think because I was braced for so long and because of the issues in my spine, I wasn't breathing properly. Um, I was a reverse breather. And so by that, I mean, like mostly when we inhale, our belly, you know, fills up like a balloon. And then as we exhale, it deflates. And I was the opposite. And it took me so long, my, that yoga class, um, those first classes were my first introduction to breathe properly. Because um, as I was inhaling, my belly sucked in. And then when I exhaled, my belly came out. And surprisingly, there are a lot of people that do that. Uh, as I continued my yoga and then meditation journey, there are other people that were like, oh, yeah, I do that too. Um, and that just sends a signal to our nervous system that there's something wrong. You know, like when we suck in air really quickly, the, you know, it kind of triggers more subtly, but it triggers our fight or flight. So the yoga with the breathing and then eventually meditation came in. And the meditation initially was for me to watch those thoughts. And I watched the negative self-talk just fill in. And I'm not saying initially it was a breeze because it wasn't, but I just started noticing these patterns of, oh my gosh, this these thoughts of not enoughness keep resurfacing. These thoughts of there's something wrong with me. And it, it extended more than just to back issues, but even in relationships. And so as I started noticing these mental habits come up, I was like, oh, And then I had, you know, a meditation teacher say, are you those thoughts? Are you those belief systems that keep coming in? And I really had to, for the first time, question that. Like, oh, 
I don't think that I am. And so getting back to our pain can be our purpose. I do truly believe that. At the time, though, I definitely would not have seen that because the pain was so intense. Um, But as I began to address those and to sit with some of those judgments that were coming in, the pain did dissolve because I wasn't tunnel visioned into I am my pain. I began to see myself as so much more than the physical pain and even the painful thoughts. And so that was, that's kind of a nutshell of probably many years. So I don't want someone to think that, oh, that was a few months. Oh, no, (laughs) that was a progression. Um, But how the issues of scoliosis and spinal fusion kind of pieced together what I needed um, to live the vibrant life that I have now. Well, what do you, first of all, thank you so much for taking us through that. There's so much insight there. I'm really curious about what you make of the fact that you didn't have the pain until the surgery and after, you know, until after the surgery. Um, what, what do you make of that? Well, actually, that's quite common. I mean, our, our physical bodies, especially as children, so if we go back, our physical bodies as children are naturally flexible and resilient. And so over the years, my, you know, my body got used to my spine being out of alignment. And so like the unevenness in my shoulders, because mine's more in my um, upper to mid back, just became a part of how I carried my body. And then also because I wasn't breathing properly and in a brace for so long, I got used to that too. I got used to taking very short, shallow breaths. So our bodies are amazing. They can get used to, and either way, they can get used to what we, what's in our environment or what we have to put up with, kind of being on survival mode. And then consequently, our brain also gets used to, oh, this is quote unquote normal. This is what has to happen. And so as a child, I, I just got used to that kind of way of being. And so the surgery obviously did create pain. And also because I was so young at 19 and in fairly good health, I, I mean, otherwise, I recovered fairly quickly, but it wasn't until about two, three years post-surgery that my body started to compensate. And to a point where I do think there's a point when the body says, that's enough. We can't take it anymore. And I think we we do that in many ways, whether it's back pain or any other type of issues. We'll we'll put up with the little micro changes that might not be serving us, but we'll put up with that. But then there comes some kind of storm or an additional issue that comes in and the body and the mind go, that's enough. And that shows up as bigger symptoms or a diagnosis or disease, whatever that might be. Um, And if we're not really in tune, which I wasn't back then with what was going on subtly and in my energetic body, it just compiles and builds up. Okay, thank you. So were you able to manage your pain with uh, with yoga and meditation? Not initially. I mean, initially because I didn't have those tools, I'll call them tools for now. I did rely on prescription medication, 
But I started to notice that I needed more to get the same amount of pain relief. And this became a concern to me because I didn't want to be dependent on medication. Uh, And so that's when I started looking into other alternatives and my mom suggested yoga. And slowly as I became more flexible in my body, it has a direct connection to being flexible in my mind and being more open to other possibilities. And I think people in pain, and I say this with great love, um, that, that key component is missing. So if we're not moving our bodies in ways where we can embody openness and space, and also with breathing, creating space in the body, our mind also follows suit. So if we're feeling contracted and tight and tense in our body, our mind also contracts and we're just not open to other ways of functioning in the world or just trying other modalities. And so as the yoga started to open up my physical body and my breath body to be able to breathe more properly, my mind was more open to even eating healthier foods and making better choices for myself. So I do feel like there is just this intimate connection between our body and our mind, and they do play off one another. Mm, Yeah. Well, how, in terms of your pain, how has your journey been? So you, because you had, that's really interesting that you were managing it through the pain, through the prescriptions, pharmaceutical. Um, but it sounds like you overcame that and yoga was part of the journey, but where are, where are you now? And, and where did the next, you know, the time in between take you? Yeah. So again, over a course of learning how to choose, um, to choose better habits, basically daily habits, instead of sitting and complaining and about the pain and how bad it is and that tape recorder that would play over and over. Um, with time, the yoga allowed my body to be more flexible within the limitations that it had. But I started shifting and focusing on, well, what can I do? What can my body do even with the metal rods in place? And that opened up a whole new world. As I was beginning to breathe a little bit deeper and do some breath work, that opened up more space. And then mentally, I began to start um, a meditation practice in focus, like mantra meditation. I didn't, I admit, and this is still a struggle with me, silent meditation is difficult. Um, I tend to lean on more guided meditation. Um, I also will do Uh, like listening to different types of uh, music to help draw my mind back, but to be able to focus and be more mentally aware of the thoughts that were flowing through. And so eventually I I became able to watch the physical pain and to watch my thoughts about it. Because oftentimes I would exasperate the physical pain because my thoughts were saying, oh my gosh, this is so terrible. How much longer is it going to be? How many more days do I have to endure? And so these thoughts would flood my mind. And that was actually creating more of more of the overall pain than the actual pain itself, if that makes oh, sense. Interesting. Yes. yes. And so I think people who are in chronic physical pain again, we become used to that mindset. And to begin to shift out of that 
does take some just consistency and awareness and being able to sit with what comes in, acknowledging, is that mine? Are those thoughts coming from me? Did it come from my doctor? Did it come from other people? Recognizing that I am so much more than a physical body and to transcend and be like, no, I can choose something different for myself. And so there would be these little increments. And by no means am I telling someone to go from I'm in a lot of pain to I feel great. I have no pain at all. Like that's way too big of a leap. But for me, it was just introducing little steps. So it'll be, you know what, for this next hour, when I feel pain, I'm going to breathe a little bit deeper and maybe slow my body down. And then the next hour will come. So it's just in small increments till a whole day would go by eventually. And I'd be like, you know what, I haven't experienced any pain. And that's where I am today. Like, yes, I still do have occasional pain, but for the most part, I require absolutely no you know, medication to get me through the day, I am able to do and move uh, and have the energy to do the things that I love to do. Um, And that includes helping others and being a, a holistic lifestyle coach for also people who struggle with whether it's physical pain or other chronic issues, autoimmune as well, to use the different tools to help them become more mindful of like what is going on, you know, in my subconscious thinking and what needs to be addressed. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. It's so it's so interesting how that subconscious belief system plays into our physical health. You know, it's it's really really powerful. So is that how is that the main way that you address the subconscious was by uh, noticing the thoughts and then addressing the thoughts, or were there other ways that you worked with the subconscious beliefs? I think that was my first the awareness and being able to realize that I have choice because I did feel like a victim to my pain. Like the, why is this happening to me? And changing that to, no, this is happening for me. And I might not see the end result right now, but it is, it is a process and it is in the work, so to speak. So that was kind of the initial, like recognizing where my thoughts would start to downward spiral when I was sensing pain. And then I started learning different energy healing techniques like Reiki. Um, So I trained in Reiki uh, and some other energy healing modalities, ones related to not just Japanese tradition, but acupressure points in Chinese medicine, um, energy medicine techniques with Donna Eden, and started to incorporate those into my yoga practice. And it became this really powerful way of not only moving the physical body, um, because I, I mean, I understand people in pain, they don't want to move. And I'm saying we need to move. We're designed to move. Like that's how our human body is designed with, with full breathing and also work with what I would call like the subtle energies. So the, the, the infinite self, if you will. And so we are so much more empowered when all of those energies come into like coherency and what I call energetically align to where we really want to go. That's beautiful. So, so powerful. 
So when someone is struggling with physical pain and they want to take up meditation, do you have tips about how to be comfortable in meditation if you're dealing with pain? Yes. I I would definitely say the first thing to let go of is this stigma that you have to be seated cross-legged on the floor. I'm just going to say I will never be able to do that without my feet falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's just a part of my, you know, my reality. And and that's okay. Like I had to get over the oh, I can't meditate because I can't sit cross-legged. Like that was just a message from, you know, the outside that that was the quote-unquote right way right. to meditate. Um so oftentimes I sit in a fairly comfortable chair with back support. So I have like a lumbar support in my low back to help me sit as tall, uh, as tall as I can. So I'm not slouched forward because we do that so much and that just collapses, you know, the diaphragm in our lungs. So in order to be able to breathe bigger, which most people who are in pain are breathing really shallowly. So we need to open up that space in the front body to breathe nice and deep. And sitting in a chair with lumbar support for the back is super important. Um, when I was sometimes in a lot of pain, I would, I would even meditate lying down on my bed. Um, but instead of having my legs straight, because oftentimes I would fall asleep, <laughs> um, I would bend my knees and just, it's called like constructive rest pose. So I'd bend my knees, let my knees kind of, the inner knees touch in to settle down the low back and just breathing nice and deep and just meditate while I was lying down on a soft surface. Like there are different ways to make ourselves comfortable, not too comfortable to fall asleep, um, but to be in that awareness state um, where we can still begin to be in a place of more mindfulness. Um, also, walking is great, um, even if it's slow walking, but to be able to move forward, you know, with mindful steps um, can also be a great way to do like a walking type of meditation. So I think, yes, finding some place um, that is comfortable, whether seated with any kind of back support where the spine can still be as tall as needed or even, excuse me, even lying down is still meditation. And that's what I do mention to a lot of my students. It doesn't have to be rigid, upright, cross-legged um, if it causes pain. Yeah, thank you. I completely agree. Um, I I tend to, you know, I I tend to sit upright when I meditate, but I also like when I'm drifting to sleep. Often, I will enter into a meditative state, kind of uh, spontaneously. You know, sometimes realizing, like I may because I may be seeing things where I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not sleeping, but. <laughs> this is like, I can see some interesting things, but sometimes it's just that, you know, it's, it's that like, as I'm passing through sleep, it's like, oh, this is familiar. You know, this is like, I'm, I'm not asleep yet, but I know to, I know this, this state. So, um, it's, it's definitely important that we address the limitations that we put on ourselves based on what we perceive and of course, we may have uh, people who are telling us, you know, that 
that, uh, well, if you're going to meditate properly, you can't lie down or whatever. Um, and you know, we do want to be mindful of the, of the possibilities that, you know, if we aren't sitting up, we might fall asleep easier and things like that. Like there are reasons that we sit up, but if it's going to be a preventative of saying like, well, I'm just not going to do it, then it's like, well, there, you know, there are, um, you know, we, we can be flexible and it's more important to do the work than to do it, you know, in a specific framework that we think is the important thing. Cause the important thing is actually just getting into the meditative state and what that can do to your nervous system and how that connects us to our soul and, and all of those, you know, important things that it's, it's such an important practice to carve time out for. So yes. And it doesn't have to be long. I think that was one of my apprehensions to a meditation practice. Even the word meditation can be triggering because people have preconceptions of what that looks like. So I'll tend to use mindfulness practice or a quiet time uh, as, you know, alternative language for that. Um, and then once I was able to find what worked for me, whether seated with lumbar support or lying down, then it was my own, and I'm calling myself out here, my own excuses. And so I've, I lovingly call myself a creative person, but oftentimes that would come out as, oh, I'm just too busy. I'm just too active of a person to actually like sit and do nothing and think about nothing because that's what I thought, you know, meditation was. And so I had to call myself out and be okay, like, wait a minute. There are so many studies. I mean, I don't have to go into the, the literature of that where meditation and mindfulness is good on so many different levels and focus. And I would say for people in pain, our nervous systems, including our, our minds are very busy because we're either trying to think of, okay, how am I going to get rid of the pain? Or what next thing am I going to do? Should I call this doctor? Should I do this? And so we create this inner mental storm of what, what should I do next? What should I do next? And so focus is of great importance to be able to make decisions with calm and clarity. And so I would encourage my students, even if it's just for one minute, even if your meditation practice is one minute, that's awesome. Like just meet yourself where you are. It doesn't have to be this whole long thing that takes, you know, if it's, you know, eventually to 20 minutes, great. But if it's one minute and you can do it twice a day, it's a beautiful place to start. And it's just focusing either on a mantra, like one word of something you do want to align with, or maybe it's just following the breath. It can be so simple. Um, and so oftentimes that's usually the next barrier. First one is like, I'm not comfortable because I'm thinking I have to sit cross-legged. So once that's out of the way, then it's just one minute and yeah. maybe twice a day, morning and evening to work on that focus because the mind's been so chattery with all the other things of trying to figure out how this pain is going to go away, that we need to just begin to hone it in and breathe a little bit deeper and just be present with what is, even if the what is isn't what we would ideally like it to be. But it's a start. It's a start to being more present. And that's when healing happens, is in the present moment, no place else. And I can say that with 
such authority. Healing never happens in the past. It never happens in the future when we're trying to think of plans of what to do next. It only happens in the now. And I think that's where meditation is the gift we can receive. Mm, That's really powerful. And I absolutely concur. Good. Well, what a joy to connect with you, Brenda. I'm really grateful that you came on and shared your story and your insights um, and all of the work that you're doing to help people through their pain. How can people connect with you and find out more about you? Mm, Thank you for this opportunity. I so enjoyed this conversation. Um, People can connect with me uh, through my website, which is sacredpathyogaandreiki.com. I am also, I'm on the social media channels as well. I love connecting through email. I love to write. I also have some guided meditations on my website and the Insight Timer app. Um, And I've got some free offerings uh, as well. If someone is really struggling with scoliosis, please reach out to me. Um, I do have a short uh, video course that may be of help to them that does include meditation. Um, And then I also offer a holistic lifestyle coaching uh, for those looking for uh, a a vibrant approach to energetically aligning with how they really want to feel, not just body, but mind, soul, all the things together. Uh, So I would love to connect with uh, your listeners. And um, if they are podcast listeners, I am also a co-host on Be The Love podcast as well. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you're doing. and, And thank you so much for being here today. So thank you, Kara. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love for you to do me one quick favor, which is to think of one person who would benefit from hearing this content. Let them know you're thinking of them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you. And I look forward to the next meditation conversation.